brought to you by Ligaris Roasters, the coffee alchemists behind Gut Check Espresso. www.ligarisroasters.com Coming to you live, and by that we mean recorded in advance, from the Nakatomi Cigar Room in the capital city of a boxing glove-shaped state, it's the Gut Check Podcast with your hosts, Ted Cluck and Zach Bartles. Hey, welcome to the Gut Check Podcast. I am Ted Klug, joined as always in studio by Zachary Bartles. And Zach, um, this feels like a bonus episode to me in that um, it's about one in the morning. Uh, you and I are both awake. We're both wired. Um, we're both kind of refusing to accept that tomorrow is the day that I leave. And uh, I think we just want this magic to continue a little while longer. And uh, doggone it. You know what? We've done 101 episodes in radio, and uh, this is just what we do. This is like breathing to me, you know? I get out of bed in the morning, and I'm, I just feel like, you know what? This is what I do. I was made for this. I was made for radio. So <laughs> what we're going to do tonight here at, at 1.15 a.m. is do radio. We're going to do more radio. More radio. We just finished episode 100, and we said, why stop now? Why stop now? Why stop now? Especially since we didn't get to a, uh, I had my little, my Dana open to a chapter on my Dana. lap yeah. during the whole thing last time, and then I realized we were at an hour, and we, we shut it down, and I felt like it was calling to me, like, read a chapter. You know what? Other people stop. Other shows would stop. I feel yeah. like other podcast hosts would have gone to bed. Doc and Devo would go home Doc to their Devo wives would, and yeah, sleep. And, right, right. Sleep, get rest, you know, yeah, all right. those things. Yeah, not us, baby. You know what? We're we're too good for that, man. We're too strong for that. Let me ask you something. Lay it on me. One fifteen a.m. and you are together with Barnabas Piper and Ronald J. Martin, and you say, "Guys, let's just put another one in the can." What's the response? No, not a chance. Not gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. It's not no. You know, it's, man. Yeah. Uh, you know. <laughs> Sorry, we have to Skype Ronnie in. He'd be in Naples, Florida. You know? <laughs> For, for, for three conferences. conferences. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Retreating. For three conferences, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's the name of a chapter. Which is the name of a chapter that uh, that we're going to record tonight as part of Gut Check Literacy Month, Zach. A time to give back, a time to reflect, uh, a time to give to our audience. And we're giving from a manuscript called Re-Raptured Again. This is a rapture novel, a satirical rapture novel, follow-up to uh, the wildly successful and popular Re-Raptured um, and this is chapter 16. It's called Three Conferences. This is one of yours. So if you would like to assign me a character, you can do so now. How about if you read the part of Mr. Lewis, I'm sorry, Reverend Dr. Lewis Ironsides. I would love to. And I am going to get back to the beginning of Three Conferences. Of Three Conferences. I.e. Ronnie Martin's typical week. Typical Wednesday. Three, typical Wednesday. Three conferences. Yeah. It's a little bit lame that we don't have him bumping into. Oh, we should. Gosh, yes. That's... Any of them. So, Actually, it would have been funny to have all three people at their conferences happen to bump into Ronnie, even yeah. though the conferences take place simultaneously. Ronnie Tarmac. Ronnie Lanyard. That's right. He's a traveling man. You know? He's on the road. Road warrior. All right, here we go. Chapter 16, Three Conferences. James Wiles prefers to fly out of Palm Beach International Airport, but having booked his flight to New York at the last minute, he wound up having to make the hour-and-a-half drive up to Orlando. 
He bought the latest Writer's Digest at an airport newsstand, planning to plagiarize a conference talk, and wrote, route, and yeah. <laughs> wrote, it's a pun, yeah. and wrote, uh, and settled in to a bench at the terminal with his magazine and his sensible carry-on. His stomach churns as he sits there, absentmindedly twisting the magazine in his long, thin fingers. What will he say when he walks up to the Park Slope Writers' Collective booth at the Wonder of Writing conference? Should he use the events of our day as an icebreaker or pretend that nothing weird ever happened? This is all important. After all, he's flying from Florida all the way to New York, ostensibly for a conference, but in reality, with only one goal in mind, to connect with Morrison so as to eventually expose him. Mm. He's still undecided on his approach as he boards the plane. The professor's conundrum, though, is, fittingly, academic, as it turns yeah. out. Because literally two minutes after Wiles vacates the bench and enters the plane, Duke Morrison plops down on the very same bench to retie his shoe and summon an Uber. He has flown all the way from New York to Florida, allegedly to attend a conference, but really for an entirely different reason, to reconnect with Dr. Tim Van Shrimpy. He's beginning to sense that Van Shrimpy is getting sucked back into, simultaneously, his old position of power and platform, and the end times machinations that nearly cost him his life. Mm. And that's beyond unfortunate. Morrison does not yearn for those days. He's not the yearning type, for a start, but even when he does yearn, he primarily yearns for his days as a star football player, after which he would rank these last couple years, wherein he has been a tortured writer and, more recently, a father. Dead last are those months leading up to the incident, memories that are dulled by doors and punctuated by explosions. The only good thing that came out of all that was Kate. He misses her already, and kind of regrets coming down here, especially considering that Kate continues to work 60 hours a week while caring for 11 babies. Mm. His phone buzzes. The Uber should arrive in nine minutes, and bring him to a four-star hotel nestled in the underbelly of the villages. From mm. there, he'll head to the conference, not only to justify his tax write-off, but also because he loves feeling celebrated as a football god, which doesn't happen much anymore. But that's about to change. Because after the conference, he's headed to Pro Day. And everything will change. Then, later, he'll sniff out Van Shrimpy and talk some sense into his former enemy and current bestie. Yes, he allows himself to think of Van Shrimpy in those terms. Dude, you know what that is? Huh. That's an example of you doing a, a very nice thing that you do for me when I, when I send you these chapters, which is, like, kind of summarizing what's happening for people. Because I just dash off these chapters in, like, frenzies of, uh, of, of, of creativity. And I know the knowing glance that you exchanged with your wife just then, which was, yes, you know, I have to, I have to fix these things sort of continuity-wise. I'm the continuity that, That's cop. dinner table conversation at the Bartles house. Like, oh, you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe this. Are you, are you saying that you know what he's You wouldn't believe the stuff I have to fix, you know, for this guy. Oh, boy. He's, you know what? He's, he's not a fiction writer like we are. You wouldn't believe the stuff we have to go through. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to punch the clock again. Bang out some, but you did it, and 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 I appreciate that. May I go on? No, you yeah, you can't. You you have the floor now. <laughs> <laughs> it's the final Saturday of Together for the Gospel, the big one. For weeks, Ted Strongbow has been promoting the final day of the conference as the official public launch of Ultra Jest. But as he sits in his temporary office in the bowels of Memorial Stadium, Lewis Ironsides is anything but excited. Ironsides has been slyly positioning himself as the representative of the Settlers of Nebraska LLC project to be the exclusive distributor of Ultra Jest. 
It would have been so perfect, the final piece in the puzzle. He should be basking in the glow of imminent glory, sitting as he is in the New Jerusalem of New Nebraska. But he's not basking in anything. He's down in the dumps and all out of sorts. Stupid Strongbow and stupid Townsend and his stupid earthworms and tunneling and root structures and stupid experiments. It's all slipping away. First his little girl, Carol Ann, throws all his fatherly marriage-arranging concern back in his face and elopes with that Anglo-Papist. And now Jim Townsend, whom Ironsides had considered a friend closer than a brother, is twisting the knife in his back. At least Carol Ann didn't go through with marrying Tad Townsend. The thought of joining their two families together now turns his stomach. Speaking of Tad, he should check in with how things are going back at the compound. It will be nice to feel a sense of control in at least one small area of life. Lately, the crop yields have been up, particularly in Vincent and Carol Ann's sector. Just goes to show, pull the dog collar off the guy and put a hoe in his hand, and he'll step up to the plate. Tough love. The only kind of love Lewis Ironsides lets himself feel. He punches Tad's number and tilts back in his desk chair. On the TV screen, mounted all around him, he sees John MacArthur posing with a young seminary student, flexing his muscles in a comical way, and <laughs> laughing. You've reached Settlers of Nebraska LLC. This is Tad speaking. Lewis frowns. There's something off about the Tad's... <laughs> There's something off about the lad's voice. He sounds stressed. Tad, my boy, it's Reverend Ironsides. Just calling for an update. A long sigh breaks against the handset. <laughs> it's not good, sir. Lewis can actually hear him sweating into his car hearts. They're gone. Who's gone? What are you... All of them. First, Vince bailed. No surprise there. Then his little followers all packed up and followed him who knows where, leaving Carol Ann all alone. I was just trying to comfort her, but I don't know. She slapped me and told me... She had to go find her husband and... Tad, shut up a minute. Where's my daughter right now? I don't know, sir. Wherever Vince is, I guess. Back in Denver, maybe? Find her. Do you hear me? Yes, sir. Find her. He repeats. Ironsides is standing now, towering over his phone, as if his body language will intimidate Tad through the phone lines. <laughs> he can feel the, you find her and keep her in one place. And... No, that's nothing. Forget that he can, he can fi feel the, because that's nothing. Yeah. So, Tad through the phone lines. It, this is Tad saying something. No, that's that's Ironsides. Wait, wait, wait. Fi wait, wait, wait. Hang on. You find her and keep her in one place? Tad. Yeah. No, he didn't. Find her, do you hear me? Yes, sir. Find her, he repeats. Oh, you don't have... You find her and keep her in one place until I can come and talk some sense into her? And no, then I have the husband of hers, I'll kill him? He can feel the... I thought that was a... Yeah, that's, sort of that's editorial nothing. kind of flourish. I've missed the end of the sentence. Okay. He can feel the, you find her and keep her in one place until I can come and talk some sense into her, and that no good husband of hers, I'll kill him. Tad says. Right, no, but don't say he can feel that. That's a mistake, is what I'm saying. Oh, okay. I have that, but that's Okay, yeah, it, it shouldn't be there. It's, yeah, it just yeah. is. Yeah. Because I made a mistake. Sure, sure. What's next, then? So, so say that without the say that with some force, like it's a line. Which thing? Find her. You find her and keep her in one place. Oh, I see. I'm leaving all this in. So yeah. So all we're losing is, is four words. Yes, yes. He can feel the. Yeah, th that doesn't belong. I see.
You know what would be a funny voice for me to do this in? Hmm. George McFly. When he's talking to Bill. <laughs> Go for it, yeah. yeah. You find her and keep her in one place until I can come and talk some sense into her. And that no good husband of hers, I'll kill him. There's something else, sir. What? It's not just the two of them. They have a baby. Ooh, a page break. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Father Vincent sits at the Park Slope Writers Collective booth. Oh, you be uh, you be Father Vincent. Okay, right? yeah, yeah. Father Vincent sits at the Park Slope Writer Collective's booth, absent-mindedly straightening and restraining the stacks of brochures. If this isn't more monotonous than hoeing, if this isn't, mon- <laughs> I haven't drank a thing. It's water. hard to say though. If this isn't more monotonous than hoeing the rows of soybeans back in Nebraska, it's a very close second. He can't figure out why Morrison's group even rented this booth, since the WOW Christian Writers Conference is literally 100% frumpy middle-aged women. Not exactly the writing my memoir by the spare light of a single dangling bulb crowd that the collective is trying to attract. So far, he's given away six promotional bookmarks and been asked 16 times if their group ever does workshops on (laughs) facing your writer's fears. No. No, they don't. (laughs) A handsome black man in a tweed jacket walks up and begins fiddling with the middle stack of literature, messing it all up, which simultaneously annoys Vincent and thrills him since it gives him something to do, i.e. straightening it again. What's your group's Twitter handle? The man asks. Vincent rolls his eyes. Ugh, we don't have one. We're not that kind of group. We are organic and free-range in our ideas. We don't bow at the altar of the corporate social media gods. So, no Facebook either? Vincent just gives him a look over his brow line glasses. Hmm, interesting. We're only on Instagram. (laughs) Oh. The man leans against the booth which is really just a folding table with some felt over it, and the whole thing shifts slightly under his weight. He stares off into the distance and says, I did a workshop on the craft of writing. You know how many people came? Vincent shrugs. Zero. No people. They were all at platform-building workshops, or waiting in line for Will Highfield's autograph, or watching the simulcast of Chas Marriott's sentencing hearing. You know... (laughs) You know, they were actually saying it was brilliant for him to get convicted of tax evasion because it increased his visibility and doubled his followers on Twitter. What about the writing? I hear you, man. The man clears his throat and asks tentatively, So, you manning this booth yourself? How many from your group are out here today? Just me, Vince says. The other two guys left me in a lurch, flew down to Florida. The man laughs out loud, a hollow laugh. (laughs) You've got to be kidding me. He looks closer at Father Vincent, squinting a bit. Say, do I know you? Maybe. You look a tad familiar. You're not from Denver, are you? Actually, yes. I thought so. I used to work in the English department of the University of Colorado. Vince snaps his fingers. That's it. My church used to do a fair trade slash (laughs) inclusivity drive there every September. Aha. Vincent, right? That's me. The two shake hands. But around here, I'm Ross. It's the whole... He trails off. I'm James Wiles. After two firm pumps, Wiles stops shaking but does not release the priest's hand. You weren't by chance also part of the end times hysteria at the Value Stadium on November 7th those three years ago. The two men lock eyes. Neither says anything for... (laughs) Neither says anything for a while, and they're still holding hands. It's weird. 
Finally, Vince tries to pull free of the professor's grip, but he can't. Where's Duke Morrison? Wiles asks. I told you, Florida. I'm going to need you to be more specific. Vincent feels his bones bending under the increasing pressure of Dr. Wiles' grip. (laughs) After hanging up on Tad, Ironsides riffles violently through his mail. His secretary can't get it through her head that he doesn't want or need her to open each envelope, and this annoys him all the more. The first letter is a confirmation from the trademark office that his new catchphrase for the Nebraska project, It's Settled Then, has been properly registered as his intellectual property. The next two are junk mail. And then a handwritten letter. Weird. Who handwrites letters anymore? He glances down at the bottom of the page. Respectfully, Tim Strongbow and Jim Townsend. Ironsides peruses the body of the document, catching phrases like above your pay grade, submit to our will, and international patents. The long and short of it is this. The two men are demanding that Ironsides make them equal co-regents of New Nebraska in exchange for the colony's use of Ultrajess. In addition, they would reserve the right to market and sell the meditation to non-Calvinist women at their discretion. Ironsides' blood pressure kicks up. This is all Townsend's work. Strongbow's just a pretty face and a fat bankroll. He crumples the page and drops it on the desk, and that's when he sees it. On the back of the paper, a broken wax seal bearing the letters V.S. Van Shrimpy. What. The. Crap. Pastor Will Highfield of Brandon Community Church smiles brightly into the camera slash phone as if he doesn't mind being squeezed between two matronly women for his 50th selfie of the day. But he isn't looking at the camera lens or even the image of the phone's display. His eyes are locked at two men standing on opposite sides of a table some 30 feet away. The booth for the Park Slope Writers Collective. There's something amiss here, but he can't quite put his finger on it. Why does he know these two men? Thanks so much, squawks one of the women. (laughs) We're so glad to have you here. Will you sign my copy of your book? She holds out a battered paperback bearing the title Just Freakish Growth, Five Keys to a Mega Platform by Will Highfield, forward by Chaz Marriott. Sure, he says. What's your name? Anne, answers the (laughs) hair-helmeted woman. Her voice sounds like a dairy bubble that won't pop. (laughs) He writes an impersonal, personalized message and signs with a flourish, never letting his eyes leave the two men across the room who seem to be holding hands and locked in a staring contest. Let me get one more of those selfies for my Twitter, Branding says. The two interchangeable women, ooh and ah, all flustered-like as Branding pulls out his phone and holds it up. Only the phone's not in selfie mode, and when he hits the shutter button... He locks in a perfectly framed and focused image of the two men at the booth. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. Plot, baby. Lots of plot right there. All right. Now, what I'd like to hear, Ted, is a lost chapter rediscovered scant hours ago. Lost and found. Now inserted. That's right. Into our novel. Like like something inserted into a USB port in someone's neck. That's right. Baby, I can't for the life of me remember when I wrote this. Uh, But I found it today. I was looking for some other files, and I ran across this little gem uh, called Controlled. So this is a chapter that we have uh, we've read, we've evaluated it as a staff. We've put a stamp of approval on it. Stamp of approval. Yeah, it is official, and I believe it's going to greatly enrich. If that's not a word, the uh, or if it is, either way, uh, the kind of first of all, the character of Strongbow. Yeah. 
who who honestly has gotten a little two dimensional. He uh, has, yeah, on purpose. That's right. But this adds a little yeah. something more. This adds a little something. To and I feel with. like now, as we ate our hipster sandwiches and talked about you know the plot, uh huh, the fact that this is happening is making for a great climax. I agree. I'm very excited about it. I agree. I'm very excited about it, too. It opens up a world of possibilities for Strongbow. Uh, so this is chapter... What, Zach? What are 17. We, chapter 17. It's called Controlled. The makeup girl is actually getting a little close. A little too close for Ted Strongbow's comfort. As he sits backstage at PMUSA, getting his pre-show foundation applied. Strongbow has taken to wearing turtlenecks, which is an odd choice for an otherwise fashionable man in his mid-twenties. He's wearing the turtlenecks because, truth be told, Strongbow is eyeing an ASFL comeback. He's not satisfied with his career and never was. He feels that he has unfinished business in the league, and it's all he dreams about day and night. He's only hosting the morning show because that's what you do when you're handsome in a vapid and unthreatening way. <laughs> but about the turtlenecks. Strongbow is wearing them because they obscure the small portal that exists at the nape of his neck. <laughs> Nothing magical happened on that fateful night in Denver in the sense that Strongbow actually wasn't the Messiah. No small disappointment. <laughs> but his disappointment was offset by the fact that, until everything went down, Strongbow played really, really well with Van Shrimpy at the Xbox controller underneath the stadium. Desperate to recreate that magic, Strongbow wandered into a video game shop called Nerdvana <laughs> in an uncool section of town between a Popeye's chicken franchise and a Verizon store. Oh, that's a sad picture. You that's really finish. sad, yeah. Once inside, he unburdened himself to the clerk, a guy named Steve with a soft, unathletic body and, and bad skin. <laughs> he told Steve everything. From the storied college career at FCPU, Steve knew nothing about it. To the underground control room, Steve read about it and viewed schematics on some video gaming Usenet groups. <laughs> to the implanted chip and Xbox controller, Steve, as it turned out, had an almost masterful level of knowledge vis-a-vis -vis human slash Xbox interaction. <laughs> I can do that for you, he said casually as he brushed a chicken crumb off the front of his Call of Duty Modern Warfare 6 Kill Everyone All the Time t-shirt. <laughs> He led Strongbow into the back of the store past a rack of used games. He opened a steel briefcase, the likes of which you usually see only in movies. Inside it was some egg crate padding, nestled into which was a late model Xbox controller. I need it to be discreet, Strongbow said. I should have let you be Steve. Do you want to start being Steve? I, I don't, don't have, have a copy of it. So. Are you married to the nape of the neck, Steve asked. When he asked this, he was scrubbing up and readying some state-of-the-art <laughs> surgical equipment. Nerdvana's back room, as it turns out, doubles as a black market operating room, complete with a hospital bed and big, bright lights. <laughs> I am, Strongbow explained, for reasons that are both practical and sentimental. Also, I already have a scar there. Strongbow pushed his Denver Values hoodie to the side, revealing a jagged line of scar tissue. Can you do anything about this? Steve laughed, nerdily. <laughs> and by nerdily, I mean in such a way that conveys both smugness, but also a certain giddiness that accompanies being in the presence of someone who is actually cool. <laughs> Do something, he said, affixing a surgeon's mask over his zitty cheeks. <laughs> I can make it look like a flesh-colored USB port. The asphalt tech guys are savages when it comes to chip implementation. I'll make your neck look like the front of an Xbox. Strongbow <laughs> smiled. 
The only thing he loves more than playing football is playing Xbox. <laughs> Steve was gentle. <laughs> For a minimum wage Nerdvana desk clerk, he moved with the deftness of, well, a surgeon. <laughs> he was joined by a girl named Chloe, almost certainly not her real name, which is probably something like Emily, who had black eyeliner and a purple streak in her hair. When Strongbow came to, he did so in a state-of-the-art recovery room where there was, ironically, an Xbox for his enjoyment <laughs> and a few, or, a few varieties of ice cream. Steve appeared with another stainless steel briefcase, which he opened dramatically. This time, it appeared to be almost all black egg crate padding. Am I supposed to be seeing something here, Steve? Strongbow asked. Maybe it's the anesthesia talking, but I really don't see anything. <laughs> Steve implored him to look closer. Inside the padding was a tiny little cartridge with an EA Sports Madden Asphalt label bearing an image of Strongbow on the cover. This is the next-gen Madden Asphalt cartridge, upon which I've created you and given you a 99 rating, Steve explained. Take this with the controller to the world's foremost expert in quarterbacking. I can't do it, Tim. I'm a video gamer, not a football expert. But so anyway, this expert will know what to do with the console, the controller, and the chip. You will play like you've only played in your wildest dreams. You will own the asphalt, Ted. Strongbow smiled. Page break. Clad in his post-show turtleneck, Strongbow makes his way to the LaGuardia airport and purchases a one-way ticket to Orlando, Florida. The girl behind the air, air train counter smiled coquettishly at him as nearly all girls smile coquettishly at him. He signs autographs at the gate for several elderly women, all of whom are PMUSA devotees. None of the old women ask him about his two unusual carry-ons. You're exchanging glances about the fact that I haven't corrected the, uh, the tense issues. The glances are such that you're, you're thinking, oh, what an idiot. It's, it's 1.30 in the morning. He hasn't fixed the continuity and the, and, and the tense. Is that what I'm thinking? I'm going to have to go back in and I'm going to have to do all this work <laughs> for this frigging guy. Isn't it fun? I am intuitive. He knows what I'm thinking every time. I do. It's not hard. It's... Oh, boy. No, you guys enjoy it. Take a minute. Just take a minute and get all the glancing out of the way. This rube and his ten shifts and his not knowing what, what tense he's even in in the story. What a dumbass. Dude, look at each other. Lock eyes over that. I love you guys too. Oh boy! <laughs> All right. All right. Focus up, man. Okay, I'm focused. I'm ready. Tighten up. I'm tightened up, man. I'm so ready. <laughs> We're both ready. I don't know that she's ready. Everybody's ready. Do you need to take a drink? That. Here. Right. Water? No. All right. Clad in his post-show turtleneck, Strongbow makes his way to the LaGuardia airport and purchases a one-way ticket to Orlando, Florida. The girl behind the AirTran counter smiles coquettishly at him, as nearly all girls smile coquettishly at him. He signs autographs at the gate for several elderly women, all of whom are PMUSA devotees. None of the old women ask him about his two unusual carry-ons. Sir, you're going to have to gate check one of those, says a non-coquettish, probably lesbian gate attendant. 
Probably lesbian because she's not flirting with straight. Right, yeah. No, who I, wouldn't? I yeah, yeah, yeah. So more like in his mind. More well, like in his mind, yeah. She what, must be. Or she like what I'm doing now is going a level yet further and, and thinking what he's thinking. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> probably safer. Since you know? I'm probably the expert in what everyone's thinking. Well, you know? certainly characters that you create. Characters that I've created on the yeah. page. Strongbow agonizes for a moment and decides to let her gate check the briefcase containing the controller. The cartridge itself is just too valuable. He subconsciously rubs the back of his neck. The turtleneck is going to look weird in Orlando where it's 112 degrees with 93% humidity. But no matter. Soon Strongbow will meet up with quarterback guru Steve DeBerg and begin his journey back into the asphalt. His cell phone buzzes. It's DeBerg. Meet me in the villages at the Five Guys in Wildwood Square, DeBerg says. Strongbow chuckles. The villages. They have the... DeBerg cuts him off. <laughs> I know. The highest rate of STDs per capita in the country, which is astonishing, given some of the ahem, lower income concentrations of people in our great nations. <laughs> I know, I know. I've heard it all before. <laughs> Strongbow feels chastened. Look... I'm sorry if I was harsh with you just then, DeBerg sighs. I just get a little defensive about this place. It really is exceptional retirement living. <laughs> we'll golf. You'll see how nice it is. I just want to play football, Strongbow explains, because it just seems like the right thing to say. Nice. And that's the end of the chapter, Zach, and that's the end of two chapters. See, I feel like what that chapter had on mine hmm? was not consistency of tenses. But rather, the it fact sure that it wasn't like 85 friggin' minutes long. You know what? You have 85 minutes, I have inconsistent tense shifts, and uh, you know what? We we both have issues. We both have our things. We all have stories. We all have stories. We all have stories. And you know what? We're better friends for it, and we're better friends for staying up late, and for taping another episode of the Gut Check Podcast. So, we now have 101 in the books. We have another episode to add to the t-shirts. And uh, you know what? I have no regrets. I have zero regrets about tonight. This has been wonderful. It's been a wild ride, you know? Full of fun and laughter and whimsy. Creativity. People shouting at each other. Discovery. Yeah, people shouting at each other from time to time. People choking at other times. I wonder if... I don't think we woke up our kids sleeping in the basement, but I bet they're both having nightmares right now. I bet they are. I hope they're dreaming about Tim Strongbow and Xbox controllers in, uh, in, in our day. Dude, because that's the only way I want. That's the last time Ted Strongbow really gets to be, you know, fully himself. Mm. Because uh, once he's you get about down to, to go villages, to a place where, yeah, his uh, his intellect is going to be whittled away at, and, and <laughs> I think I think Zach, it's both. It's safe to say for both of us that there wasn't a lot there to start with anyway. So. <laughs> Strongbow's about to take a little a little bit of a dip intellectually, and uh, I, I, for one, look forward to that. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And now what everyone's wondering is, how hard is it going to be for us to kind of land the plane here? We have a you little know, bit of a history tonight. Here's the thing. Here's what, I've, here's what I've learned in 101 episodes of radio, is that when it's late at night and I'm having fun and I'm in the moment with my friends uh, in a beautiful studio, I don't want to land the plane. I have trouble with it. And I think I think subconsciously just I keep, keep it circling. going. Yeah. I just keep circling around because I I don't like the finality of the thing. You know what I mean? I don't like I don't like uh, ending an episode, but 
Um, out of an obligation to our audience, they've been very patient. And they're, you know what, they're good people, Zach. At the end of the day, these are good. God love them. God love them. These are good, hardworking people. And they just want to be entertained. And uh, you know what? I respect their time. And I know you do too. And with that, I'm going to sign off. And we will see you next time. Next time.